It's a circle of life. And it moves us all. You should see the look that Sister Twain is giving me right now. She does not approve of The Lion King, which is not a fact that I knew about you. I fucking hate The Lion King. The cartoon or the new live action or the whole thing? <clears throat> so, the whole thing. Um, okay. When I went, Even to- with our Lord and Savior Beyonce releasing an album inspired by The Lion King <laughs> called Spirit, which is beautiful. If you want to start talking about Beyonce, we're, we're going to go down a whole different route. But, so, but like, when I first saw The Lion King in 95? I don't know. Four? Sure. Uh, I was so underwhelmed. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I hate that movie too. And as much as I love Elton John, I hate all the music. I went, when I went to um, New York with my ex-wife before we were married, um, we were like going to see some Broadway shows and we saw The Lion King because, you know, that's what you do. <laughs> And then I was like, why do I fucking see this show? I don't like The Lion King. <laughs> it's like the movie, except on a stage. And it's not that interesting. So I have no interest in seeing the live action movie. Cindy has a question. Cindy? <laughs> it's not you guys, we have a... Wait, are you raising your hand because you think you're my ex-wife? I have a comment. <laughs> oh, Cindy has a comment. Cindy? You guys, just before Cindy's comment, I just want to say real quickly, today's guest is, is Cindy. Cindy. Our personal assistant. You've heard us yelling in the background. Cindy, write that down. It and was weird when C. Jane said she couldn't see her. I know. Well, you were I was being there. you were being discreet. <laughs> so Cindy is our special guest today. Um, and what's your comment about the Lion King? <laughs> Just talking of the Lion King, my father, when he went through his brief stint of Mormonism, he taught me seminary. I was the only kid that fell for it in the family of seven. And um, he played a clip at our 5 a.m. seminary sessions. <laughs> of the Lion King? Yes, and it was the one, Remember. Of course remember. it was. And then it was, and then he tied it into Remember Jesus Christ. Oh, okay. Of and course, so of course. The movie sullied. Have I ever talked on this podcast about how one time a woman in my ward when I was growing up bore her testimony about the movie The Brave Little Toaster? <laughs> and then compared that movie to Jesus? Don't. Did I talk about that on the podcast? Maybe. No, no. I don't think so. Anyway. Like my ward did it on Life the Cereal. Life. <laughs> Mikey likes it? Like Love Life. Oh, oh. The Cereal. Oh, I love life. We could go on and on about the yeah. crazy shit we've heard in second meetings. But let's, real quickly, let's just dig into the, the elephant in the room, the trailer for the movie Cats. I have refused to watch it. Okay, what? I have refused to watch it. You guys, I'm going to get so fucking drunk on Christmas Day, and I am going to be on the front row, and I'm going to be at the Jellicle Ball, and I am going to be Mr. Mistopheny's all up in that shit. Oh, my God. They, they like, squish Jennifer Hudson's head. It's, like, too small. Her head is smaller than it should be. Well, cats have small heads. I know, but when the cat is Jennifer Hudson, it looks really weird. Anyway, I, but really, I'm going to be... I saw a projection up at the U like two years ago. It was real mad. That shows a fucked I up mean, nightmare. People, it's Andrew Lloyd Webber. We love him. No, we don't. Jesus Christ, superstar? Ugh. The Phantom of the Opera. The Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> not great. Anyway. I really like Sunset Boulevard. That's the only one that I... Did he do that? Yeah. I like that one. Anyway, uh, before we get into more about Cindy, because I'm, I'm sure our gentle listeners are like... They're just going on like normal. Yeah. Like Cindy's a normal thing. Yeah. Cindy's the special guest though, and she has some great topics right. we're gonna talk um, about. Quick housekeeping thing. So um in the in the chat that I started, um that new Instagram feature on yes. the hot drinks Instagram, um 
someone who listened to our brevet, which was not a brevet. Right. It, <laughs> it was, was a, a cortado. It was a cortado. <laughs> it was basically a latte. It was really a latte. <laughs> I it was a latte. It wasn't it like a uh, <laughs> That's like a pun. It, it was a latte. Uh-huh. Like a lot. <laughs> oh, wow. It was, creamy. Um, it was creamy. Someone in the chat was like, okay, send us a picture. Because it was like this private chat. Send us a picture of this guy. You said he's the sexiest man you've ever like been involved with in a romantic or whatever sexual way. And I couldn't. Mm. But I've decided now to go ahead and divulge his identity. Oh. oh. For real? Yeah. It was Barack Obama. Okay. Well, <laughs> fair. Um, speaking of sexy, if you hear licking in the background, it's nothing sexy. Put it, put it. It's Cindy's dog. His name is Gary. <laughs> and he is just licking. Her name is Gary. Her name, Her name is, is Gary. Jeez. I just think dogs are boys and cats are girls because oh. i am a part of the patriarchy okay. my god okay um anyway so gary is licking sister twain and i a lot <laughs> do you have any other housekeeping to take care of today i don't think so oh i i still have not talked to the uh mystery to, oh, Bar- to barack obama he's not oh. messaged you no we still haven't talked. i don't like it being barack obama because he was kind of a dick and i have i like really respect yeah. and love barack obama change it um, what if it's Mark Ruffalo? I I don't. <laughs> You're okay with him being a dick? No, because I love him too. No, I see. I don't. I don't see it that that the guy was being a dick. I see it. You as... don't, Cindy? Do you? Oh my god! <laughs> we had some radio silence there. <laughs> I just have a lot to say. But okay. I see it more as he was struggling how to communicate what was really going on. Okay, fair. That's all. Right. Can I do a footnote though? I yeah. listened to the episode and I took notes and I decided that um, I came to the conclusion that his hypothesis about not being into you was a fucking lie. Cindy, do you take notes on all the episodes when you listen? Like production notes? Yeah, or uh, when I'm not crying. Oh, good. (laughs) So, um, Cindy's here. Cindy is the Scottish woman we referred to before. Cindy is a classic Scottish name. Cindy, oh, Cindy, on the air. Wait, is that, that's Irish. We're going to give a little explanation as to the Scottish woman. So I was born in Scotland. Yes. So now you don't know who I am. And then, the and, and, and then she's, I lived in England. And, and she's then probably the most produced playwright in the state of Utah. 2017. What? Especially in 2017, but probably. <laughs> but anyway, and her name's not really Cindy, but. Um, <laughs> well, my name's not really Jack, and your name's not really Twaint. It feels so Latter day, it does. Yeah. So, Cindy. We were having trouble boiling down Cindy's topic, like a like a mess of. I was going to say a Scottish thing, but I couldn't remember what like that was. Like, I think of haggis or something. Is anyway, Scottish? Haggis? haggis is Scottish, yeah, right? Haggis okay. is what Scottish. is haggis? It's a meat that's all the different types of... Organs. Organs that's put together in, a, in the intestines of a cow or a sheep. And it tastes delicious. <gasps> anyway, so Cindy was having trouble... <laughs> Selecting a topic, so we're gonna do kind of a kind of a potpourri, like a grab bag, a slap shot. I think maybe, a come on your chest. Of I topics. think maybe we could call it Cindy's top five. Cindy's top five. <laughs> Cindy's just gonna shoot her topics all over your chest. Yeah, because well, I mean that's how she is. She's balls to the wall. Right. She's like, I will come in your eyeball. Right. I will with at, her topics. Right. So let's take a brief break. 
And then when we get back, we're going to jump into topic number one. I can't wait. Let's take a break. We're back. Brother Coffee just told me that I, my quote, and I quote, my body looks really good in these jeans. Yeah, your body looks good in those jeans. <laughs> I don't she know got why, some new jeans. I don't know why that sounds funny to me. Well, how Should I just say you look good in those I jeans? Guess, I, mean, I guess. I guess that does make more sense. But, but it's I guess fine. I, was, I guess I was trying to indicate that the jeans are a flattering cut on your body. Which is fine. <laughs> is that less of a compliment? I just think you look hot. I'm having a really hard time with compliments right now. I've never had that problem. You guys, I love when people compliment me. My dream is to just stand up in front of a room of people and have them compliment me. Yeah. Makes me want to kill myself. Okay, so Sister Twaint is going to, you're going to twaint up the topics. I am. You're going to cover the topics with your warm, fleshy twaint. It is warm. (laughs) Really sorry that I said fleshy. Cindy has just said, which I like, she's never seen it. I've offered it. Well, you know, we keep, we keep, because she's our assistant, we keep her chained up in the corner. Right. And I'll, right. I'll go over she's there naked the and be old, like, do you want this? She's just in my old dog kennel that just I kidding. don't use anymore. Which is so funny because who Cindy actually is couldn't be more opposite of that. Like of she a chained up woman. Fucking wreck your life. There's a merch idea there somewhere. Like I'm the opposite of a chained up woman or something. I don't uh, know. Yeah, like I, we got to workshop it a little bit. Uh, so I, Becky, write that one down. B-E-C-K-Y, write that one down. Oh, okay. So okay. anyway, what's yeah. our first topic? It's, and I'm going to word it in my own special way. Penises who have the priesthood. <laughs> Cindy, tell us about penises who have the priesthood. <laughs> now, now, let's clarify. Oh. Okay. We actually, Cindy chose these as right. we were discussing possible right. topics these aren't topics that we're throwing at her. Go ahead. Bishops and penises and priesthoods and stuff. Okay, so before I went on my mission, I went on a Mormon mission. Mormon right. mission. Um, I we don't say Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Mormon. Here. We like not to make here. Satan laugh. Yeah, yeah. not here. Um, so I was like so fanatical as a Mormon. I would get up at 5 a.m. and I would like read my scriptures and like memorize scriptures. And I was oh. all in and I just tried to be as nice as I possibly could. Right. And then while I was on my mission. Because nice. God wants you to be nice. Yeah, I was just like so nice so that I could get a place at the table. Oh, there it is. There it is. And so um, while I was on my mission, things started, I started questioning things. And then um, it all kind of went to hell in a handbasket after that. And so when I came back from my mission, I started dating this guy who was fine. And now you were doing a master's degree at BYU. I was doing a master's degree at BYU. Right. Mission BYU. Your master's was in uh, podcast assistant. Um, yes. <laughs> this is why we hired her. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. She's literally the I'm only. internship. She's literally the only graduate from that yeah. program. So we just snatched her right up. Um. And um, I started dating this guy, and we had this situation where we would, like, be so into each other. We'd get totally naked. We'd do everything except for penetrate. Right. That no was, P in the V. No P in the V, but we would go, like, But, down like, M to the other, V, M to the P. Until we got each other off, and then we would cry. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, because it's kind of traumatic, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Then we would cry. Then we'd put fun. our clothes on, and then we would pray together. <laughs> On our knees. What would you say in your prayers? Like, please forgive us. Please forgive us. Help us to not do this again. And then, like, not shitting you. Like, that process of, like, praying, like, made me so horny. 
<laughs> then it would like repeat and then the clouds would come up because I was so horny with the spirit. Right. <laughs> horny with the spirit. Okay. There's some merch anyway, right there. Put that on a coffee mug. So horny that. with the spirit. <laughs> do that a few more times. Anyways. So what did this happen like? Like there after would be my like, mission. No, no, no. Mission. But like oh, in oh, an oh. evening, would there be like two to three cycles of this? Yeah. I mean, he like pretty much stayed over okay. my place. Okay. Before, then, before you go on with, with confessing to the penis priesthood. Yeah. Okay, so you're with the dude. He's so hot. <laughs> you start making. I don't think okay, he's married. I want to. I want to break this down. You start making out. Yeah. Clothes come off. Clothes come off. Things start getting sucked. Penis, vagina. Right. Are being and then, sucked. And then not being put into each other. Right, right, right. And then w- would he make you come first? Yeah. Okay. That's how it should be. And um, and For then real. and then you would suck his dick and he would come. Yeah. And I just want to ask, would he come in your mouth? Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> and then you'd and then, cry. And was it the semen and in your we'd mouth? we both cry. We'd both cry. But wait, no, no. This is the part I really want to ask about. Semen in your mouth. You swallow, whatever. What is the time lapse between... The swallow. The swallow and the prayer. And the tear. And the oh, prayer. The tear. And it would go straight into like gnashing of teeth and crying. Oh my God. <laughs> Wailing and oh. Like come, swallow, yeah. cry. Like, so anyways, but the point that I want. Okay, like, let's okay. get to the point. Okay. <laughs> and so I'm feeling oh so guilty about all of this. So then I go, because you know, I am wearing garments, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes I don't wear the tops. Sometimes I don't wear the bottoms. <laughs> I mean, that was then, depends, not now. Just, just depends on the day. And then, um, so I go to the bishop, and then the bishop was a fucking cunt. <laughs> there it is. There it is. He was such an asshole to me, and he told me that the whole reason that it happened is because I was in a major of uh, theater, and <gasps> theater is a major of lies. <gasps> yeah, he went on and on and, like, told me it was because of my makeup and, like, went through the whole gamut of situation. Like, he told... So, he clearly, was, the guy you were making out with was also wearing makeup, right? Because if makeup caused this... Oh, he just, like, went on and on and on. And the makeup was related to theater. He always brought it back to theater. Anyways... What? What? So, so oh. let me just... Let me just clarify. My sin was, like, my fiancé was getting me off. He made me go through a church court and threatened to ex communicate so i had to sit there with all of these men in the room (gasps) and like this guy was nuts and insane and borderline abusive the bishop the bishop yeah um to the point that his what are they called his assistants his counselors his counselors were like a while one of them was like i'm sorry (gasps) really yes he was that brutal to me did anything happen to your fiance nothing what yeah 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 yeah. um i mean i don't know why i'm so shocked like of course of course that's of course that was the outcome but anyways my punishment was i was disfellowship for a full year and it was so horrific it was so brutal that i moved locations so i could be in a different ward and have to deal with a different set of men but i was disfellowship i couldn't take the sacrament i couldn't have a calling I mean, I sat in the back. I, like, beat myself up. I felt like the biggest pile of human shit that ever existed. I, like, I felt that. like I just couldn't. I couldn't have. I didn't have the will 
to like overcome my sexual instincts or whatever. Oh. Like my my natural oh. man, I just felt so horrible oh. by myself. It was it was awful. I it's, mean, it was abusive. Oh, it a hundred percent was abusive, and it's it's so. I mean, obviously, the Mormon Church would never actually like talk to a psychologist or talk to like mental health professionals, but like the the way that the Mormon Church uses shame to control membership is abusive and is horrific mm-hmm. and is and 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 if you did talk to a psychologist or anyone who studies mental health or any anyone who studies development that they would tell you that shame is like one of the one of the most negative evil you know emotions like it it cannot you cannot cause growth or progression through shame right. like shame only causes destruction yeah. and the mormon church uses that to control and manipulate members like you were you, I'm sure that you had to go to church every Sunday because obviously if you didn't go, you weren't completing the repentance process. Oh. But you couldn't participate. You couldn't take the sacrament, which is in a very open setting. So everyone sitting around you could see you not taking the sacrament. You know, you couldn't. Could you pray? Were you allowed to pray? But he could. Right. But yeah, but the boy that did the exact same things as you did could. Yeah, but- he got an entirely different punishment. But also, like, we went through the process of, like, getting each other off, like crying, praying so many times that it like ruined our relationship and we ended up splitting up. Because that's pretty dysfunctional. It's dysfunctional. And so he, we ended up like breaking up and that was just horrific in its own right. But like I eventually, like the next bishop was kind of okay and I came back into the church because the bishop was just like, because of your talents, you're going to get people to come into church that wouldn't ordinarily be come to church and he like really kind of coaxed me back into um feeling like I had worth or whatever even though I felt like my um being like my sexual desires were just like so destructive like I I, daily just like hating myself for my own sexual desires to the point that now when I masturbate I feel guilty still so when I masturbate so because of this. And you are, can I say how old you are? Yeah, go ahead. You're 39. Mm-hmm. You'll be 40 in like this three year. months. Mm-hmm. And this happened how long ago? You were how old? I was roughly? 24. 23, 24. So 15 ish years ago. And you still cannot masturbate without feeling guilty. Oh, yeah. Like, I, even though I know in my head that, like, but like there's nothing wrong with it. There's that. nothing yeah. wrong with it. I'll beat myself up the whole next day and I'll like vow to myself never to do it again. And like, I've got to do better. And so like, I rarely masturbate, but when I do, it's like this horrific, like experience of just like beating myself up and just like not being able to like fully enjoy my body. It's because shame can only destroy, like it can only destroy. And And that shame that you were forced to feel for a year Oh, oh, for, I mean, a year of like institutionalized shame. Like yeah. obviously the shame went on much deeper and much longer than that. But a year where you were like, where you were publicly being shamed on a weekly basis, mm-hmm. that like, of course that does like, I don't want to say irreparable because I think you can. Yeah. I'm sure you can work but through the, it, but it does long lasting damage. Long lasting, <laughs> deep, 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 deep damage. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the only penis with the priesthood story. Like that's just one of the big ones. That's one of the big ones. I have another one and I'll tell really quickly. So like Mitch and I, Gary, 
Gary. Your husband, Gary. Your husband, Gary. My husband, Gary, and I, we had sex before we got married, and then we didn't get married in the temple. And then after we got married, like, I... I was like half in, half out at that point, but I still felt really guilty, shame. We went to the bishop in our new place where we lived, and then so we repented. And he was actually kind of cool about it, and he's like, okay, da-da-da-da, you can get your temple recommend. Is that what it's called? Temple recommend, and then you can go get married in the temple. (laughs) And um, And then he would want weekly meetings with us. Every time we went to this guy, he forgot the fucking thing that we'd said oh, and oh, had to rehash oh, it oh, out. Oh, oh. We had to rehash out every time we went just to the point that he gave us a temple recommend. We got the recommend and then I was like, cool, we got the recommend, let's celebrate by drinking. And then that <laughs> went out the way. Oh. <laughs> so we never made it to the temple marriage, but it was like, but it was partly because like this bishop would just like, he couldn't see us. Or maybe he was, like, too old or whatever. But, like, he just didn't view our case as, like, an individual case. And it just was, He was just like, like what, you kids in, what are you kids in here for again? <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Sex oh, before like marriage. The straw that broke the camel's back at that point. Right. At that point. I mean, I was half out at that point anyway. Right. But it was just, like, I, I just, it was just, like, one instance after another of, like, horrible situations. Penises. With, yeah, with <laughs> these bishops at BYU and then, um, oh. and then I had like friends, and I attributed it to the fact that they were like half my size, where they just like got off with what they did, and like they, well, because they were tinier, because they were tinier and like, cuter, and they skinnier, could, and they could cry on cue, and I just didn't ever get that because you're so consequence, yeah. Yeah, I didn't ever get. Yeah, I didn't ever get the like God loves you. Like I never got that. And and then I had this friend who was constantly messing up to to the same extent as I did, and it was always like, "You're in the fold." And I always felt like an outsider because I was a little bit bigger and wore too much makeup. Apparently, I don't know. Bitch wore a lot of makeup, but that's not the point. You know what I mean, though. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, I I think. I think that will segue into another topic of yours. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But I think there's probably some truth to that. That probably those girls oh. did get off easier because they based were cute on, and penitent and blonde and sure, yeah. Sure, sure. Their yeah. demeanor, so, their appearance. Yeah. Let's take a little little break. Take an interlude and we'll come back. And we'll- we're back. The next thing we're going to talk about is Cindy's experience with the Me Too movement. Me Too. What do you want to know? It's a hashtag. Hashtag, hashtag Me Too. Me too. <laughs> really quick. I had a dream over Christmas. No one cares about your dreams. <laughs> that, is a, that is a theme of this podcast. That... I had decided, my, my ex-husband and I, my gay ex-husband, Gary, and I decided to get married again, cool. even though he was still with his fiance because right. he's engaged, um, who we'll call Gary. And um, anyway, I had a dream we were getting married again, and I'm getting ready for the ceremony. And I know, I know, I know. Cindy's uh, giving me a look and it makes complete sense. But I'm getting ready for the ceremony and I look over at Gary, my ex-husband, and he's putting little like American flags in his pockets and he's wearing <laughs> shorts and a tank top. And I said, 
you're going to a march. You're going to march. You're going to a rally, aren't you? Right before our wedding. And he looked at me like he was all guilty. And he told me it was a march for hashtag me either. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Anyway. No one one cares about your dreams, but me either is pretty funny. (laughs) Hashtag me either, you guys. Me either, okay? I don't even know what that means. I don't even know. Okay. So so, tell us about your experience with the hashtag me too movement hashtag. So my me too like happened a little bit before the curve, I would say. Okay. Oh, yeah. It happened like a You were like a trendsetter. I mean, I don't know if it was that or if it was like, it was like a cultural, um, I was tapping into the cultural conscience. It is funny to say a trendsetter when we're talking about confronting people about (laughs) misogyny. Like you were, like other people were like, I want to confront people about misogyny too. That sounds fun. So the thing that I want to talk about, and it's not necessarily the actual Me Too, so as a little preface to this. So this guy, and it wasn't like... Um, in an obvious sense, it was a situation where this guy in the community, in the local community, the community. Do you want me to do a Scottish accent yes! for the story? Oh! And so this guy had been um, harassing me for two, two and a half years, two and a half, three a years. A crazy long time. But it wasn't like directly per se. It was more like behind the scenes to people that he knew that I knew and was just like disparaging. In the professional community the that you're in. the professional community to the point that it was like making it hard for me to go anywhere without this topic being brought up. And um, I felt, I started to feel scared Mm-hmm. Not that he was going to kill me or anything, but I started to feel scared because it was borderline obsessive. Right. And fear, so fear doesn't have to have like a physical threat or any right. even any logic behind it. Fear is what it is. Yeah, and he was becoming bold in his yeah. um bolder and bolder. Yeah, in in his discrimination against me, as they say. And um and he started talking to people that would directly affect my career, like critics. And there's not many. Um, And so, yeah. And so he did that. And then I got, I had enough. I had enough because, and also this is on the back of like being treated like shit by all men in my life always. (laughs) Penis is in the priesthood. (laughs) Penis is in the priesthood. And I was just like, fuck this shit. And I wrote a post. For? And I wrote a post on Facebook about um, this guy and I... You guys, we can't name. call it Facebook because we don't have the rights to that name, so we have to call it FaceTime. FaceTime. Wait, no, that's another thing. No, 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 no. We have to call it uh, Lookbook. Lookbook. Um, oh Lookbook. I, I wrote a post oh on God. Lookbook. Named yeah, him I'm just kidding. I don't first and last name. Said exactly what he was doing. Said I didn't like it. Said I needed to stop. Oh, and also... Um, before I got to that point, I also wrote out an email to all of the people that are movers and shakers in the theater community. I'm in the theater community. <laughs> and I was like, hey, this guy is doing this. And I didn't get like too much of um, any like feedback on that. And then I didn't really know what to do. I felt like cornered. And so I did the lookbook. And then, (laughs) thank you, thank you. And um, anyways, so what I wanted to talk about was the fallout from that. And the fallout from that was like, on one hand, through direct message, I got like 
a lot of women that said, thank God you said this. He did the same thing to me. I won't come out and say it because he has ruined my life, blah, 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 blah. And um, a lot of women saying that. And then publicly, I had people that came out who were kind of big in the community saying, I wish this would go away and this had never happened. I had a guy that directly took me to task. I had another guy directly message me who's Bishop somebody, somebody um, trying to solve the situation. And pretty much it just like reaffirmed to me the fact that like I should have shut up and put up because Mm -hmm. of all of the backlash of this. Mm -hmm. And so anyways. Was the backlash primarily for men or was it for men and women? The backlash was primarily from men and one older older woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was interesting to me because I would have guessed that more people would have publicly come out to defend me. And while I did have a lot of that, I had a lot of radio silence. Mm-hmm. Um, it... I got a direct message from a guy in the community that was so horrible that I literally laid down on my bedroom floor for like an hour and a half. And then I had to get up and feed my kids. Mm. Um, Stupid kids. Yeah. And so I guess, I mean, I guess that it's like, I think it looks good on paper. And then when it actually happens in your community, it doesn't go how you think it's going to go. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Totally. Are you glad that you said something? Or if you Now at the time I was like, oh, I made the worst mistake of my life. Probably for like a year, right? Right, Twaint? Um <laughs> Right, Twaint? I think it's I think we're at the year mark of that happening. Yeah, it's a year mark. Yeah. It's exactly a year mark. Yeah. I think there should be merch that says right Twaint? Right, 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 right Twaint. Right, um but like I was surprised at the people who were so uninvolved with the situation, who felt like they needed to get on and comment and say, you know, this just isn't the platform for this. Exactly. And I just wanted to say, I just, I just thought, we're, you, do you hear yourself taking Cindy to task on using Facebook because she's scared Instead of this person who's been harassing her. And other people. It wasn't just me. And others who actually, it's interesting because two or three men came onto my thread and said, oh, he's done the same thing as me and went into explicit detail as to how he did it to them. The women direct messaged me because they were so fucking afraid. Yeah. Yeah. That was fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. The men spoke up on the thread the women privately yeah 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 Yeah. yeah. fucking fascinating i just think that like on paper and in theory it's all sounds good like yay me too times up sure but if it happens in your community especially if it happens and it's somebody that you know it's totally different it is and i different and it's scary and it's awful i witnessed that whole thing from its inception Mm -hmm. i i witnessed the fallout that you experienced. I didn't see you on the floor crying, you know, because you were home and I was home or doing whatever. But um, we were working on a project together at that time, I believe. Um, And 
you felt afraid to go into any space that was affiliated with your profession. And there are a lot of spaces in this area that qualify as that. Mm-hmm. And as a prolific playwright and a director in the community, you were in and out of those spaces constantly. Mm-hmm. Also, it's really interesting because another guest that you've had on this podcast did a similar thing to me a couple of weeks later or a month later. See, Jane? She did something to you? No, no, no. She did a similar thing that I did. As oh, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's, we she outed someone. Oh, sorry. I didn't say it correctly. Yeah, I think we can say because she doesn't care if we know our, her identity and it was in the news, but that was with the Pat uh, Bagley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, um, and then but, he's, he's right back doing his job. Oh, yeah. This guy's back doing his job. I, I just think that it's... Um, I mean, once again, my thesis on the on the topic is like it looks good in theory, and then it's not so it's not so easy and smooth when it's somebody that you know and it's somebody in your community. And then I think that we need to constantly renegotiate how we deal with those situations because it affects us and it f- affects our daughters. And oh um, my god, and, and it's awful. And it, it it affects our sons. And how they will treat women. Exactly. Um, I have seen that in boys prepubescent Mm -hmm. treating women poorly. Mm -hmm. But I want to go back because what I was saying about that fallout and how you couldn't go into professional spaces without being afraid. It wasn't just because you were afraid of running into this particular person. You were afraid of what everyone thought of you or would treat you or maybe not treat you and you did experience that maybe not with this particular um instance but at least with another one where you would uh call out something highly highly inappropriate that had to do with a man and and girls and you had people who are proclaimed feminists go completely radio silent. And so then you're like, I've worked with these people in the professional settings on projects. And what am I going to do when I, they they were radio silent on this. If I walk in and see them, like, how do I act? How are they going to treat me? What are they thinking of me? It's crazy making. Yeah. And that's the fallout of a victim speaking out. And also it would have been easier if I just shut my fucking mouth. That's how I think about it. But but then also the flip side of that is, guess what? He hasn't done it since. Oh. Amazing. He hasn't done it since I called him out on the look time. Look time? Look time. Look, lookbook? Lookbook. Since I called him out on lookbook, he hasn't done it. So there's two sides of the coin. There's sure. one that I feel like, like. Maybe he's a little bit more scared now. Yeah, he's a little bit more scared now. And then the other side of that is like, I made a lot of enemies by just saying, don't treat me like a piece of shit under your shoe. So we kind of, we need to take a break, but what, what, what do you wish people would have done? Like, what would the, 
because like you said, this is a tight knit community and these are people that possibly have a professional relationship with you and also have a professional relationship with him. And, and obviously some of those people don't see that side of him. What's the, what response should they have had or what response would be appropriate when you're in that situation? I wish that a lot of people that I know and love would have said, and some people did, of course, of course they did. But a lot of, I wish that people had just said, I believe you and I'm going to take that into account. Yeah. That's not hard. Bingo. Bingo. Yeah. Let's take a break. Take a break. We're back. So topic number three um, is monogamy. And let's start by saying that Cindy is married. To a lovely man named named Gary. (laughs) Gary. Gary. Oh, Gary. You guys, someday I'll find my my own Gary. Of course you will. I won't, because I'm broken inside. (laughs) Anyway. I mean, yeah. Okay, come Sister Cindy and I were discussing this last night, actually. Yeah. Um, at Relief Society? Uh, our making. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Were you guys making some um, Pioneer Day crafts? Because Pioneer Day is coming up. <laughs> oh, God. It just makes me want to puke. Pi- Pioneer Day crafts. Oh, God. Anyway. And kind of, well, you go ahead. Because we had this conversation last night. And then it continued on with a friend of yours today. And what was kind of the crux of it? Both, both conversations. Okay, so I think the crux of it was I lived my whole life up until I got married thinking that that would be the pinnacle of my life experience. Monogamy or marriage? Marriage. Okay. Um, And I had that idea, like, if I attain this goal, then, you know, next level would be achieved. Um, which is kind of bonkers. Which is bonkers, but I just you know like I mean, I marriage is a lovely thing if that yeah. if it's for you, but that is bonkers that I we mean, teach kids that like that is so, like you have made it. But I had that mentality where yeah. I was like almost anxious, obsessive about the idea of like being with another. Mm. Um. Anyways, so that happened. I got married. Um. Have been married for many years, over a decade. And then recently, I've been negotiating, renegotiating the idea of what it means to be married. Because you have to do that over and over. It's not just like one and done. You have to like continually renegotiate with with yourself like what it means to be married. Why continue to do so? And have done some research, listened to some podcasts particularly you're in polygamy um, about the idea of monogamy and kind of come to the conclusion that it's like culturally ingrained kind of bullshit comes from like a capitalist society. It's ingrained to and comes from this place of ownership. And like, what does that mean to me now where my ideas about life and living are fluid? And uh, I don't know if I agree with it, and, but now I'm in this situation where I'm married, I have children, and kind of like where I'm at right now, and it may change tomorrow because that's how I be. Um, that's how she be. That's how she be. <laughs> um, right now where I just kind of feel like I'm in a business partnership, but kind of take like the 
you know, the staleness out of that. Like you, so by that you mean you're, you're, you and Gary, you care about each other, you do things to support one another in your careers or with your children or, or maintaining your household, and that there is value in that partnership. It's not something you want to give up just because you're not sure about monogamy. Right. But then I also have this whole aspect of like, oh, I shut down my body now like what do I do with this whole aspect of my body and what my body wants and needs I'm like in this contract I don't want to like blow up my contract that I made Hmm. it's it's tricky it like resonates to the last podcast that you guys Mm. had about your sexcation uh-huh yeah I just think that it's uh yeah I'm in this space of unknowing and uh, I don't know if I necessarily think that or want to preach to my children monogamy definitely I mean I don't think that it should be like the culminating goal of my daughter's life to be like get married have a wedding that's a party and then have children I just it feels so bleak because I see these young girls and this is I've had this thought I see these young girls and I think they're, they are living to get married so that they can have other young girls that can live and get married. <laughs> and it's bleak and it's, it's like a terrifying. Machine. It's, it's like terrifying. the Matrix or something. Oh, yes. And like my, and Gary's family, like all of the children, there's so many of them. Um, <clears throat> they have these, these girls that they, they bear children to girls and I just think that's their plight and that is their mission and it just makes me feel so wretched inside. Just- there has to be more to it than just like giving birth so that they can give birth. We're not animals. And so where are you at with Gary on this? Is this just what's going on inside your head right now or have you opened that up, that discussion up with... This is mainly what's going on okay. with me, though. My is though, Gary listening to this podcast? <laughs> Hi, Gary. Hopefully not. Um, I think that Gary is like open-minded, and we haven't necessarily gone there with this. Uh, um, you you made a comment earlier, and I think it's okay that I say this, but you yeah, you know a, a couple of men, Gary being one of them. That they're, they're liberal, they're open-minded, they're evolved compared to the run-of-the-mill... The kids say woke. Uh, <laughs> Actually, I don't think the kids say that. I think old people like me say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The kids say broke. And yet, when the wife wants to entertain the thought of opening things up beyond monogamy... A jealousy factor comes in. They are like shutting it the fuck down. And then the narrative becomes one of ownership and then that takes its own course and it becomes tricky because like we're so, you know, for years and years and years, like we have been ingrained, indoctrinated with this ideology of monogamy and it becomes like. I mean, what? I mean, is it tied up with masculinity? I I don't even know. And it, and and the, the and children, people being responsible for the children that they create. There's a lot of cultural stuff that has happened over the last 
several decades, um, especially in the United States, and well, several hundred years. But yeah, it just, it's, I think it's a, a it was just seen as a society stabilizer. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but there's a lot more intellectual research into it. I, I'm just kind of spouting out some random totally. things. What do you paraphrasing. Think, I think, so I'm looking at it from a very different perspective because in the gay community, monogamy is never assumed. Whereas I think in the straight community, monogamy is always assumed. If you're in a straight relationship, it is always assumed that you are in a monogamous relationship Mm -hmm. and that any sort of infidelity or I don't even want to say infidelity, any sort of breach of that monogamous trust is potentially relationship killing. In the gay community, it's, it's never assumed that monogamy is the default and it's always a discussion I mean, I, I say this from, I've never been in a relationship with another, with another man, but I say this from friends and from people that I've seen and just from, from sort of what I've observed of, this, of the community. There are definitely gay couples that are monogamous and there are definitely gay couples that are not. And, and, and there are gay couples that have certain rules, like they won't, you know, they won't have penetrative sex with another person, but they can do whatever else. Or there are couples that will only play with mm. both people together, you know, they'll bring in a guest star, but they don't play on their own. <laughs> like, so, but, but again, like, I just, I think in the gay community and there is a certain sense of like, you know, when, you know, as gay relationships were kind of becoming not even mainstream, but as gay relationships were forming, they didn't fit into the sort of societal mold of a they, husband they and they a wife. They to. never had to. Right. So there was always a negotiation of like, what does this relationship look like? You know? And I think uh-huh. also the fact that a lot of those relationships for many, many years in the past did exist in secret and did exist, you know, weren't open. There there could be no sort of legal or societal commitment to that person. So what did that mean and what and what did that look like? So gay queer relationships have always been about defining your own terms of like this is what our relationship looks like now i think there is some i think that can be i think that can be damaging too because i think there are a lot of gay people where it's kind of like if you don't if you want to be monogamous then that like maybe isn't as cool so you're kind of like oh no i'm cool with non-monogamy and maybe that maybe monogamy is something that is really important to you and so i think there are a lot of relationships where you know, damage can be done because both partners aren't on the same page. But I think there is, there, there is not ever, I don't think there's never an expectation in a a queer relationship that monogamy is the default. There always has to be a conversation about, okay, what does this look like? Are we, you know, what is, what is this? And like you said, it may then be a constant renegotiating over years when, if, if people are together for decades or whatever of what that, because I also know people that have started out monogamous and then opened things up later. Or I know people that have started out totally open and then later been like, no, you know what? Like, we're fine just with the two of us and let's close this up. Mm-hmm. So there is a renegotiation, but it feels like it feels very different because it feels like there isn't an expectation. Huh. And it's also interesting, too, because I'm in the business of story making, yeah. making stories um, that a lot of conflict within the narrative is about monogamy breaking away from monogamy and then coming back together and that being like the uh what is that called the The, tension the conflict the the norm oh yeah yeah, the norm the um the monogamous relationship being the norm and how these stories are really based on on that and like 
discovering that idea and then how you can like flip the script on that and the possibilities that that and I think that that really kind of plays into real life too like how you don't have to necessarily go along with this narrative that we've been told and that we've come to expect and that causes excitement just because you are expecting that I think I I think and I hope that the generation that's growing up right now that sort of one of their missions is like and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording but one of their missions is to kind of destroy these narratives right you know that like that that for so long there were boys and there were girls and there were you know like things were so defined and Mm -hmm. the and the generation growing up is now is much more understanding of like well yeah there are boys and girls but there are also lots of people that don't fit into either of those two categories and that's okay and there are gay people and there are straight people and there are people that are on a spectrum and i think there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of breaking down of those traditions and i think that's terrifying for a lot of people and I think that's where a lot of like political unrest comes from in our country is what do you mean we're changing these like this is how we've always done things <laughs> but then I think there are people that that are looking at it and saying no this is such a good thing because these things have always existed and the people that always. existed in these categories whether oh, it was absolutely. non-monogamy or or yeah. queer or whatever gender non-conforming like the people that existed in those groups were were hurt and abused by the systems that we had created. Mm -hmm. And now we're getting to a world where we're taking those systems apart and we're saying, no, like you can exist however you want to exist, but that's terrifying for a lot of people because this is all they've ever seen and all they've ever known. And what does this mean? What does this mean if we dismantle all this? Right. Yes. Whereas I'm like, burn it all the fuck down. Right. I want to go back before we wrap up this particular one. um, The, partnership element of what you and I have been talking about in regards to monogamy. Like, like as human beings, and I, and I heard someone say this, I, I, sometimes I'll, I'll listen, I listen to a lot of different people. One of the people I listen to on YouTube, her name is Teal Swan. I thought you were going to say Esther Perel. (laughs) And then we'd have to do that whole French thing where we go, okay, anyway. No. Teal um, Swan. And, and I'm not trying to plug her or her, um. But you kind of want to plug her. Um. She's giving us no money. I meant that as a sex joke. Like, (laughs) oh my God. Like pegger, plugger. Um, But. Um, she, I've heard her and, uh, Esther Perel, <laughs> there it is, Rianne. maybe even Brene Brown, um, <laughs> or Cheryl Stray <laughs> say that as human beings, we are wired to want to partner. We're not just social creatures who want to be in a social community setting or social, whether it's our friend group, whatever, that kind of thing, but we're wired to want to partner and What's so fascinating, and Esther Pearl talks about this all the time, is oh, yeah. that <laughs> um, when someone breaks the sexual monogamy contract within a marriage, they feel like the partnership must end. And that's fascinating to me. It's fascinating. I have... They take it so personally. Yeah. And it's not personal. No. It's not. Yeah. Maybe sometimes it is. Yeah. But usually it's more about how... One person cannot give you everything that you need for 40, 50, 60, whatever years. And a multifaceted life because that's too much to ask for anybody. And we're ever changing. Yeah. And we're ever changing. Anyway, I like the partnership idea. 
I really do. I don't know what Twaint, Sister Twaint would look like in a long-term committed partnership. And then, um, of course, I want to say that, you know, we'd probably be monogamous for a few years and then we'd talk about opening up and it wouldn't be a big deal. We'd be totally fine doing it. It would just be like, oh, I'm going to go see... I'm 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 busy tonight. I'm gonna go see Brenda, and I'd be like, "Cool, see you when you get back." I thought you were going to see Brenda, uh, <laughs> but Same. I I have no idea. I'm gonna be honest. I have no idea how that would affect me. Emotionally. It is really interesting that those two things in our society exist in conjunction: partnership and sexual partnership, but that they absolutely don't have to for any reason. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like this is a this is not a great example, but. My ex-wife, what's her name? Tiffany? We should really go Trisha. back. And, Trisha. Trisha? I don't We should go back and listen to that episode. We named her once on a past episode. Katie? I don't Katie? I don't know. Anyway, my ex-wife and I very much are still partners in raising our children. And obviously, like, it's different. You know, we live in different houses and we have, you know, whatever. But, like, we still, you know, rely on each other for certain things. We still pay for each other for certain things. Like, we have kind of a partnership, but obviously we have totally. no... We have no sexual connection or whatever. Like it's not even a part of the a part of the dynamic, but we still are partners. And it's interesting to me that I don't know what that would look like, but it's interesting to me that that we we think that that partnership and that sexual partnership have to be from the same person, and maybe they don't. Right. Maybe they don't. And let's take a break. Here's what I'm thinking, Twaint. What, what what are we doing? We should make a podcast. Just kidding. I, I just wanted you to think that was our anchor ad. It's not our anchor ad. But it, here's what I'm thinking. Okay. Um, Cindy has had a lot of really great things to say. Yeah. Cindy has a lot more great things to say. Let's just split this into a two-parter. I think that's fair because we're letting her out of the corner. Yeah. And so... This is going to be the end of part one. We're going to publish both on the same day. So you're going to so make sure in your podcast feed that you got both episodes. There's a yeah. part one and a part two. Right. Be sure to label that. Oh, I will. Well, that's Cindy's job. Cindy. Cindy. <laughs> Cindy. Will you label these? Yeah. <laughs> so let's wrap up part one. Mm-hmm. Wrap it up, and, and then, then we'll do part two. So yeah. you can follow us at Hot Drinks. On Instagram, mm-hmm. you can email us at hotdrinksforthebelly at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Hot Dranks. And you can text us. Or you can leave a oh voicemail God. on the Anchor app. Or you can come to my house. Or you can just stop by our house. <laughs> or you can pick me up from work tomorrow. Uh-huh. Let's just keep adding like additional personal things. So this is Thus Ends Part 1 yes. of Cindy's Stories. And join us for Part 2.